numbers. And I'd uh, just like to talk to you a few minutes, have your attention. We had a nice little service this morning at Brother Roger's place. Such a warm little welcome. And, and when we left, wife said to me, she said, doesn't that kind of remind you of the tabernacle when we started out? And I said, sure it is. And just the way we started, just a little group of people like that, a little, little old church, no floor in it. We didn't have even a floor. And the old windows. I remember the first year come a freeze, and here come the women walking down through there in the freeze on the floor. And when we built a fire, it got all warm and thawed out, and mud about that deep on the ankles. And here they were walking right down through the mud, you know, pulling out, setting around the low stove in the back, one down here. But we worship the Lord. We had a wonderful time. Many of those have done crossed over the great sea, the divide. I watched them at the end of the road, buried them. As sure as there's a God in heaven, I believe if I'll live true to him someday in a better land, I'll be with him again. So that's the main thing. After all, what is life? We just don't know how long it's going to last. This might be gone this afternoon. This may be our last time together. Do you know that? Well, whether it is or whether it isn't, we can't lose. There's no way for Christianity to lose, is there? You just can't lose no matter what you do. There's no loss in Christianity. If I live, I gain. If I die, I gain. It, well, I say die. I can't die. As long as I have eternal life in me, I can't die. Do you know that? You can't die. There's no such a thing as death to Christians. not one scripture in the Bible that tells you a Christian dies. Very much contrary. We're all alive. Jesus said, He, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. Is that right? How can it have an end if it's got everlasting? See? He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but pass from death to life. That's true. So we can't die and we can't cease to exist. We'll always be. There was a time when you wasn't nothing or anything. But there never will be a time but what you'll be something and somewhere. You're going to be somewhere from this all through ceaseless ages, all eternity, you'll be somewhere. So I just think about that sometime when trials get hard. I had snags in life, like everybody, some hard trials. We have to pull hard to get through it. But when I'm up against it, I just think of this. Well, what difference does it make? The Bible said all things work together for good to them that love him. Is that right? So maybe it's for my good. So I just go right ahead and take it anyhow. And if I, if it, there's nothing can bother you. Even death itself can't bother you. When death comes, oh, uh, the old apostle, when he was building a scaffold out there, uh, cut his head off on, why, he said, death worries thy sting. Grave worries thy victory. No sting to death, no. Why, where is your victory, grave? Grave said, I'll have you after a while. I'll get you. He said, what can you do to me? <laughs> That's it. I just point you over yonder to the fellow that I'm in, Jesus Christ, who just broke all the bands off of you and rose up again. Now, how you going to hold me? <laughs> That's it. Death said, I'll make you squeak and holler when he comes. Show me where you can do it. The only thing I know that death, God did to death, he harnessed it to a buggy. The only thing he can do is pull a believer right in the presence of God. So <laughs> what's he going to do? He can't hurt us. So we have got nothing to worry about, have we? If the meal barrel's empty, God promised he would supply it. Maybe he won't get empty once in a while, see? And maybe if something else happened, the kids hasn't got enough shoes, well, 
to go around, why, you have to buy a pair this Saturday and wait till two Saturdays to buy another pair? I know what that is. Well, God will supply everything. Brother Bosworth talked about being in a meeting one time. He said, well, said, I had a meeting, said, I paid my way to California. Said, I kept on having the meeting, said, other brothers had come by, Smith Wigglesworth and them, they all taken up offering for him, went on, said, I didn't have any offering going farther in debt, so then when it come time for me to go home, so they took up his offering, and that night he took up offerings, said, my, so it just rained, who wouldn't have it, nobody come out, so he had to borrow money to go home on. <laughs> said, well, he thanked the Lord, went home, went on over to another meeting, and said, there it was, see, that's it. Isn't he a lovely father? We all love him. Ah, uh, in Exodus, where we were, our numbers, rather, where we were reading, in this, the 20th chapter, and beginning with the 7th verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, and it, I want you to notice, it shall bring forth his, his is the personal pronoun now, see, it shall bring forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth water before them, and uh, out of the rock, and shall give the congregation and their beasts drink. Now let's bow our heads a moment. Father, we thank Thee. We thank Thee from the depths of our heart that You're here. We thank Thee for these people. And above all things, we thank Thee for sending Jesus to us. When we were poor Gentiles carried away with dumb idols, 2,000 years ago, just as primitive as we could be, out living without clothes, eating everything that we could find on the ground, dead, contaminated, anything, we eat it anyhow, our fathers. And they set up idols and worship. And while we were sinners in that condition, God, with his mercy, knowing that we were of his own creation, sent Jesus to call the Gentiles to repentance. Oh, God, and now we're sons and daughters of God, and the highest respected people of the earth. How that we thank Thee for this, all because we can wear the name of Christian. Oh, we love You, Father. And now today, as it falls my lot, and this is the people that You sent out to hear, I want to speak to them about Your love. And I pray that You'll circumcise my lips, my heart, my mind, that I'll just say and think the things that's right and speak the things that's right. Then open up their hearts, Lord, that they might receive it. And may the Holy Spirit take the things of God now and give it right to each individual as they have need. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Suppose some of the people never got their handkerchiefs. I think the same ones as your last evening and probably haven't picked them up. I think some new ones. Well, while we're here, before I forget it, let's have prayer for them. Lord, I pray that you heal them. All we think of the Shunammite woman coming to Elijah. And we ask you now, as that staff was taken, and they're taken from the body of Paul, anxious and apron, may that these people be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Such a marvelous day that we're living in, friends. And I... I... Keep a looking over your sister Beeler. <laughs> if this lady isn't a perfect sister Hoover, I, I thought her she's sister Hoover a dozen times, and I called her that this morning. 
I heard in a meeting the other night just a shouting. I went home and I thought, well, Sister Hoover, I had a one. Well, she wasn't down here. <laughs> and I never seen the two people anymore like in all my life. A, a lady that that's uh, in the, well, she stays at our house up there. She's a very lovely Christian woman. Uh, and she, we just, she takes care of the children and things for us. Very lovely person. And she wears her hair, looks like her, acts like her in every way. <laughs> and so I, Mrs. Beeler, my wife there, I was just saying that it was a, how I draw the attention to that. For every time I look over there, I happen to think, sometimes I look in the audience to see if there's anybody that I know personally. Somebody said, well, didn't you see me, Brother Branham? I was sitting right before you, and I never seen him. I, I go down the street and wife say, well, don't, uh, didn't you see that, that person? I say, no, I didn't see them. Well, I don't know. I guess it's just because I'm dumb. But I just don't look around to see people. I just don't know if I, somebody passed by and if I don't raise my head, but well, just forgive me, just lie to my ignorance. But uh, I tried to then in the meeting, been trying to look around and see if I could see somebody that I knew. Now we're going to get to the scripture and read just a little bit and now I'll talk on this just for a few minutes. Now, I like to think of, and now, if we just get ourselves, I promise you, by God's help, I, we'll try to be out of here in the next 45 minutes if we can. If you just pray with me now. And let's fasten right down into the Word. And I like the Word, don't you? And you reach down and get those old nuggets and polish them up a little bit and look at them. They're just beautiful. And the things of the Scripture. I believe all the Old Testament was a perfect type of the New Testament. It was just a shadow. Now, if I got in that sun there and went walking towards that wall and I and looked at my shadow on there, I would have some conception of what I looked like, whether I was a four-footed beast or whether I was, had wings like a bird or what I was. Now, that's the shadow. And as the suns are setting across the time now, we are living in the shadow of the coming of Jesus. Don't you think so? And these things that we see happening is just a shadow of what's fixing to take place. Oh, I guess I'm talking to a full audience of Holy Ghost-filled people. And you know what, friends? I believe we're in the shadow of one of the greatest things the world has ever received or heard of. Just, we're just at the break. Now, when the angel Lord met me, the first thing, you remember many of you, it's the old-timers here, it's been the meeting. When he first met me, he told me to take hold of the person's hand. Last night, or sometime, or yesterday, somewhere, I met a little child. I stuck hold her hand just to see if, uh, yep, still the same thing. See. And then you can watch it, how it'll move. See it with your own eyes, how it'll work. And then uh, he said, then if you'll be real reverent, it'll come to pass that you'll know the very secrets of their heart. He said, if they won't believe the first, they will the second. Well, for two or three or four years, that's all I knew about, how I lay my hands on the person. Well, then, then it come to pass this way. Then now, there's something pushing up that tells me that we're just at the, at the time when something else is just ready to break through, to be greater than anything we've ever heard yet. And I'm just so thankful for that. And you pray for me that God will let me live to see it, see, to see it coming through. And, um, and I pray that God will let all of you live to see it. I, we, we know when we pass over that. Just think all the things that's mysterious now, when our eyes close and we wake with Him, it'll not be mysterious then. All the great mysteries that we don't understand will just be there when we, when we leave this earth. Won't that be wonderful? My, how would it be any sting or fear to that? <laughs> I've always wanted to know more about God, haven't you? That's what we're here for now, is to know more about God and His saints. 
as soon as he calls her life, we're going to we're going to know him face to face right then. Oh my, that isn't wonderful. I'm so glad I'm saved. I don't know what to do. I could just have a spell and start shouting right now. See, because I'm just glad I'm saved. My, the thought of being saved, got eternal life, can't die, can't nothing gonna happen to me to hurt me. I'm just gonna live forever. Oh my, just think one of these days these stooped shoulders. I'm looking the other day, combing what hair I had left. <laughs> So I, I looked, and I thought, say, it's getting gray all around the side. I looked over, and I seen my wife, younger than me, and she was grayer than I was. And I thought, well, my shoulders are stupid. Look at my hands. It look like an old man's hands. Well, I remember a few weeks ago, I was playing marbles out on the street. I thought, what difference does that make? My, my. One of these days, these shoulders go to straighten up, and that hair black again. <laughs> I'm going to be that way forever, then. Yes, sir. I can prove that by God's Scripture. I will get a chance again, maybe over in the next little city. You'll be over there anyhow. So you come over, I'm going to get a chance to talk on that over there. Show you in the Bible that's the truth. Now, we're going to talk about a journey. How that God brought his people out of Egypt into the promised land. A perfect type of leaving sin coming into the spirit land. Now, there's three stages of this journey. First, Israel in Egypt. Israel in the journey. Israel and Palestine, which is a perfect type of justification by faith coming out. Sanctification had to pass through the blood, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's perfect, the stages of the church. That's where the church is staged now. Now the thing I want you to notice, they come out under Martin Luther. They were sanctified under John Wesley, filled with the Holy Ghost under Pentecost. Now we're in the promised land here, just slaying Philistines and having a wonderful time. Taking over. Here's a little place up here said, that said, uh, Whatsoever things you ask in my name, it shall be done. Just demons just stand all around there, but we're going right in with the sword of God and cutting them out, taking over. It's ours. God gave it to us. Said, There's the land. I give it to you. Go on and possess it. So here we've been on our journey. Now we've arrived. Now, a lot of people apply Canaan to being uh, over in the promised land to being the type of heaven. No, it couldn't type heaven. It's the stages of the journey of the church. They had wars and everything over in Canaan. There's no wars in heaven, you know. So they had dying and murders and everything else. So they didn't have that in heaven. It's the type of the Holy Spirit. If you notice how the Israel got down there, how the Joseph, a dreamer, a seer, now he couldn't help because he was a seer. God just made him a seer. And he, they dreamed dreams and he had interpreted it. And God told him what was going to happen. And his, all of his brothers were jealous of him. Now watch. When he was born, he was the favored son of all the others. That was Jesus. Jesus Christ has lived in every one of the apostles, every one of the prophets. Jesus Christ has been in the church ever since the beginning. You believe that? Sure. Look at David when he was dethroned and went up over the hill. He was the son of David, Christ was. And he went up over Jerusalem with his own people, running off the throne. And he went up over the hill. He went up and wept, looked back over Jerusalem and wept. Is that right? Because he was rejected king in the city. Is that right? Look at Jesus, his son, about 500 years later, stood up on Jerusalem, said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, rejected, he was, the son of David. How would I hover you as a hymn would or brood, but you would not, see? That same, and today we see the Holy Spirit feel it in us, weeping out the same thing. How often, see? It's Jesus Christ all the way through, just exactly. Jesus Christ was in Moses. Jesus Christ was in Joseph. Joseph was the perfect type of Christ. Look at him there as he foreshadowed God did. 
And the only way I have, I know it's typologist, but how, how can I preach it without education if I don't look back? And if I know just what the shadow looked like, I'll have some conception of what the real looks like. I look back there, see Joseph, when he was born of his father uh, by, and loved of him, rejected of his brother, and the father gave him a coat with many colors, seven colors, there's only seven colors, original colors, and this coat went over his little body, just exactly like the rainbow was given over Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection when John saw him. He had a rainbow around him to look up on a jasper and sardis stone, and that was the stones of Ephraim and or the, of uh, Benjamin and Reuben, and, um, and uh, how that the, the first and the last, the rainbow around him, which meant a covenant, the covenant of the blood Jesus, God, Jesus gave to the church as a covenant, and the rainbow is always a sign of the covenant. And Joseph then, when he went to see his brother, he was rejected and supposedly to have been killed. Now, that's what the Jews did when he came to his own. His own received him not. They didn't like him. Why? Because he was a seer. Because he was a prophet. Because he was more spiritual than the rest of them. And they was going to kill him. And one of them called out and said, don't kill him. He's our brother. But they threw him in a ditch. And then he, took him, he was taken up out of the ditch and was taken to the greatest city in the world at that time, in Egypt, and become the right-hand man to Pharaoh, just as Jesus was rejected of his brothers, killed and put into the ditch, raised up again, and now sitting at the right hand of the greatest city in all eternity, heaven. And no man could come to Pharaoh only through Joseph, and no man could come to God only through Jesus. See? Just perfect. And another thing you notice, I, we just got a hurry, but placing the background here, but notice in his temptation, when he was in, the, he was in prison, through the great gift that he had, there was two men, and one of them was a butler, and the other uh, the uh, uh, butcher, or the baker, and one of them was lost, and the other was saved. Is that right? And look at Jesus on the cross, there was two come to him, and one was lost, and the other was saved on the cross. Just perfect. And then I noticed another thing, that when Joseph was rejected of his own people, he was given a bride from the Gentiles. Is that right? Pharaoh gave him a bride. Well, it's just the same thing that Jesus, being rejected by the Jews, comes to the Gentile church and picks out a bride. And we are Miss Jesus this afternoon. That's right. Amen. I like that. Sure. Now, there's a lot of young women here this afternoon, and a lot of nice girls. No, I respect every one of them, but there's one Miss Branham. See, that's my wife. All right. And that's the way it is. There's lots of churches. There's lots of people that go to church and so forth, but there's one Miss Jesus. That's right. And though that is made up of every denomination that's born again by the Spirit of God and come into the body of Christ, they, take, they are joint heirs with Him. They're with Him. And they're a part of him, just a part of his body. And that's the way a wife is to a husband, is a part of him. Amen. Oh, I think of that. I think of it in Genesis when, the, when God made the sun and made the moon. Now, the moon is the wife of the sun. Now, when the sun goes away, the moon reflects the light of the sun. Is that right? On the earth. And now when Jesus is taken away, we are the bride, which is the moon, 
to reflect the light of the gospel, and we can't reflect it until he shines on us. Amen. Well, when we get, when the gospel goes to shining on us, then we shine it out. So send the light, Lord, is my prayer, that we can reflect the light of the Son of God in his power and his resurrection and his fullness. How marvelous. Now, and God did all that for a purpose, and then finally, you know how Joseph prospered? Here's another little, little nugget I want to drop over to you. Did you notice when Joseph died, he gave those people, as long as they were there, a memorial as someday they were going out of that place. He said, now, I suppose put my hand on his casket here, and I'll go over to a big museum overseas, a big lead thing that was supposed to lay in, was supposed to be a casket in Egypt. And so then uh, they were had it in a British museum. And the chair, the chair that they inaugurate the kings on, you'd be surprised what it looked like. You've got a better chair sitting out in your back porch somewhere, made of a hickory bottom. That's right. It was a little old thing. And that stone, that piece of stone that Joseph's supposed to put his head home, why, it looked like a good old piece of Bedford stone out here to me. It's not that big, but, but that's this scone of scrone, you know, that they stole here not long ago. And all those things are just... But Joseph... He was the, the, the type that Jesus was to be, and when he died, he said, Now, don't you bury my bones, but leave them lay here. And every Hebrew, passing through, looking upon those bones, no matter his back be beat by the taskmasters, he looked on those bones, and he knew one thing, that the prophet had said that someday those bones, take them with you, and God has promised that we're going out and take my bones with you. And they know that that was a perfect sign that someday there's coming out from under that Egyptian bondage because Joseph's bones was to be taken out and buried and he was a prophet that had the word of God and they know it could not fail. What a consolation to every Hebrew is a beaten back and bleeding. Walk by there and taskmasters look over there and see that old stone, uh, that old place laying there bones laying there, no, someday, someday, we're going out. Same thing Jesus did. He left the empty tomb. And one of these days when we pass by and say to Mother there, the dear old sweet woman that's rocked us on her lap and hugged us and loved us, and maybe a little baby that we've had up in our arms and rocked and babied, and there you hear the preacher say, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, and see him throw them old yellow clods in on top of it. But what do we do? We close our eyes and look across Jerusalem. Now there's an empty tomb. Someday we're going out of here. That's right. We're all our way to the promised land. Yes, sir. And Joseph left the same sign like Jesus did. Now, I want you to notice another thing. And when before they went out to calling out now, the children of Israel was given a sign. Moses went out and began to preach to them. And we know the story. And when... Moses preached to them, done his sign one time. God met him. He didn't want to go, but he gave him a sign to do. Healing. Healing was one of the signs. Next was to perform a miracle with a stick. And when that was done, they believed Moses and started on the march. All right, they didn't go very far until they got into some trouble. Every time when you start to make a march for God, look out, you're headed for trouble. The devil's going to lay right along the path there to get every foot in he can get in. He'll trip you, upset you, do everything mean he's a devil. Oh, I just love the Porter Scripture on him, don't you? Yes, sir. It's written in the Word of the Lord. That's right. God said so. 
The devil hates me, and I know he hates you too. And he, he's my enemy, but as long as God's my friend, I don't have no fear of him. I just drive him right on back, take the word of God, and move him right on back out of, his, out of the place that he thinks he's a hole in. He hasn't got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all, nowhere. He's just a devil and a password, that's all. He hasn't got no legal right to any man that will accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. Yes, sir. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. That's all he is, a big old shadow. So he just might as well get on down the street. I just seen his red light go over the hill a while ago, didn't you? He's gone. Yes, sir. All right. Praise the Lord. I begin to feel pretty good now. You know, you kind of get a little stiff and tired, I guess, and getting old. But now I go to feel his presence coming, then I forget about being old. <laughs> First time I ever heard a Pentecostal preacher preach. He started preaching. He's about 80-something years old. Had to leave the old fellow out. And when that fellow got to preaching, got warmed up preaching, he made out about three hoops and lifted up in the air and kicked his heels together, walked off the platform and said, Why, you ain't got room here for me to preach. I thought, oh, brother, that's what I need. <laughs> that's right. If it'll make him act like that, what would it do to... Why, it'll make it, uh, him feel that way. He was 80 years old, I guess. Real old fellow had to lead him out to the platform. They didn't lead him away. So that's the difference. The power of God. You've seen a devil get a hold of a person, a, a maniac, and take five or six men to hold him. That's devil power. Well, if a devil could do that, what will God do when he takes a hold? Amen. That's why... Long here at nighttime, I see the people in cots there, just sit there. No matter what God does, they still sit there. Well, if you'll come down and open up my mouth and pour something down in there, that'll charge me up a little bit. Open up your heart and God will charge you up a little bit. I've seen a little woman with her limbs up here. Little old Georgia Carter from Milltown, Indiana. She, her limbs wasn't that big around. Lay there nine years and eight months and couldn't move. Couldn't even raise a sputum in cup. And that girl, you can call her up now on the phone at my expense if you want to. She's been my pianist in the Milltown Baptist Church for the last eight years. Laying there, and how could she rise up? God gave me a vision and said, go call her. I never was in Milltown in my life for that. Went over there and told her just exactly what God said and said, rise up. Christ has made you whole. She didn't pay attention. She rose. Said, how can she rise? She hasn't been up for eight years or nine years and eight months. How, and five minutes from then, she's out in the yard walking around, blessing the least. Look like a skeleton. People are faint, but look at her. How was she standing? I don't know. God's power lifted her up. As she was standing, she was standing in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Any other person will dare to take God at his word will stand. How can he? It's a supernatural power that stands him. Lifts you up there. Take that power off of her, she'd crumble like a pile of bones. No. The only time she's ever been in bed since then has been to go to bed at night and go to sleep. She's a piano player down there now at the Milltown Baptist Church where I was pastor. All right. That's what it is. When God speaks, all hell moves. That's everything. Can't stand in his presence. All right. God has spoke to Moses and said, Bring my... I've heard the groans of my people and go down to deliver them. When he brought them out... What a beautiful type there of the sacrifice of the lamb that night. To keep up a lamb 14 days. Now, it must be a male lamb without blemish. Perfect type of Christ. The first one from the old mother, Yo. Now, Christ was in that lamb, too. 
Everything in the Bible points to Christ. You can't pick a thing in the Bible but what goes to Christ. And the first mother, the first lamb from the old mother, Yoel, and so then he kept him up 14 days. He was be examined, wasn't a blemish on him, and he was to be killed in the evening. Did you notice it? Christ wasn't killed in the morning. They took him in the morning and hung him on the cross at nine o'clock. But it was in the evening before he died. Is that right? And watch, this lamb must be killed by all of Israel. And the elders must come around and witness to this sacrificial lamb, perfect type of Christ, how did they all said, away with him, we'll take Barabbas, but we'll set loose Barabbas and take Jesus. All Israel laid their hands to Jesus. He was a perfect lamb. He was tried. Was he tried? Yes, he was tried. Everything tried him. Look at his, even his enemies had to testify to him. Is that right? Well, of course, his, his friends would testify. Mary, John, James, and all of them, they'd testify to him. But look what his enemies done. Look at old Judas Issachar, his arch enemy. When he took that money back and threw it down before the high priest, he said, I betrayed innocent blood. Is that right? The Roman, his spirit side, said, truly that's the Son of God. The heavens said it's the Son of God. Everything witnessed to be the Son of God. Look at old Pilate standing there. Great emperor, that thing around his head standing there. He was a judge that got him out. He was all stewed up in the bad humor anyhow to get up that time of morning to sit on the judgment seat. Well, sure, somebody said, and I hear people today trying to make Pilate innocent. He was guilty. Sure he was guilty. Read the history of his life. I plunged himself to death up there. And there's a superstition now. If you go there, thousands of people gather in the hole of water where he committed suicide. That that blue water comes up about the same time of day, once a year, where he plunged himself to death. Yes, sir. He was guilty. And every man, he was on his hands. He's on your hands this afternoon. Well, I said, Pilate said, I want nothing to do with this just man. So he said, give me water. And he washed his hands. Water wouldn't cleanse his hands. No, sir. And you say, well, I belong to a certain church and this is that. That don't cleanse your hands. If you've once seen the power of God and know the power of his resurrection, you'll never cleanse your hands with any water. There's only one thing that'll clean your hands. That's accept the blood of Jesus Christ. And it'll cleanse you. That's right. You ever seen him in his resurrection power and you're hanging around with some creed or something like that? Get out of it! Right, and come to Jesus Christ. And I can see Pilate when he said, bring me some water and I'll wash my hands. But first he was standing there while he said, give us a sign. Let me see you do a miracle. I, you're that miracle worker, that divine healer. Let me see you do a miracle. I've always wanted to see that. Something like that. Let's get a little drama here for a minute. I hear somebody running. What is it? Here comes a horse. This is a hard gallop. Horse is coming from the palace. Well, look, a young fellow, a palace guard, jumps off of there. He runs up. He's got a letter in his hand. He falls down before the emperor and presents the letter to him. He opens up the letter. He begins to read it with his great uh, angered fit, reading that letter like that. Look at him. He begins to get white. His lips turns white. His knees begin to knock together. What's the matter? All of his strength's gone from him. Let's look over his shoulder and see what it was. His pagan wife. Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream they called to him. Yes, sir. A heathen. 
testifying, don't you have nothing to do with him. Then he called the water and tried to wash his hands. But that lamb had to be killed and all Israel had to give a witness to it as a perfect type of the, or the antitype of the type. And when Israel went out of Egypt under the sacrifice, and when they killed the lamb, they supposed to put it on the top of the door, on the post and on the lintel. Now, not, none down here, up here. Here some time ago, Stanish Chicago, where they shot this famous gangster. There's blood was laying on the street. You'd watch the people when they bled out on the street, the people walking by and walking. Be sure they didn't step in their comrades' blood. No, no, they wouldn't step in human blood. But every day they drink and carry on and cuss and everything else walking over the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. Yes, sir. It's a shame. It's a disgrace the way this world treats Jesus Christ. And yet, not. it's a religious world. It's a doing it. That's what hurts. It's the people it's supposed to be. And that's what Christ said. The Antichrist would be so close that it would deceive the very elect, if possible. Notice. Then, when the lamb was killed, the blood put on that. Look, a perfect sign of the cross. See? And everyone that come under that blood was supposed to stay under it until the orders were given to march on. I'm not much for a backsliding condition, are you? No, sir. Stay under the blood. And everyone went under the blood, and they stayed there until orders to come. I can hear some of the young girls down there that say the girls of Israelite girls, they were getting ready, and the other girls come by and say, Say, come on out. We're going to the, the certain thing tonight. No, no. Can't go out. Why? We're under the blood. We can't go out. We got to stay here. This is orders. Oh, that old fogey religion that your mother and dad belongs to. What's blood got to do with it? It's got a whole lot to do with it. It made the difference between life and death. That's true. That old religion your mother and dad's got, get away from it. You've heard that, young folks. Let me tell you, if your mother and dad's got the Holy Ghost and the good old-fashioned saint of God, you listen to them. That's right. They was under the blood. And the first thing all along about midnight, there become a very strange feeling, unrest. Did you ever notice amongst the people today? Oh, they can't sit still a minute. No, people just can't. See? There's too much of unrest. What is it? Why, it's perfect. The coming of the Lord. You go out on the street and talk to any bootlegger, whatever he might be on the street of the city, and wherever he might be, wherever, everybody tells you there's something wrong. If we had a... They know, and you listen to my words, it isn't going to be long till there won't hardly be one smooth place left in the city in this nation. Right. We're headed for it, brother. Let me tell you, I passed right by on the, on the Iron Curtain line here recently till they pulled the curtains down that little old train and a big old Russian guard standing there with a gun on me like that while we passed by and let us not look out of a hundred miles of man-made tunnel. I went to a little Finnish officer. He, he said, isn't that awful? He just speak English. I said, what is it? He said, you Americans will learn pretty soon. Underground jet planes, planes go out from under the ground like that. Under there with atomic bombs and everything just ready. Can fly the whole world around just a little bit with atomic bombs. And they can send these saucers out across the nation, drop a bomb, and 20 minutes time explode the whole earth. If there wasn't freight of that chain of relay could stop that hydrogen bomb, they'd be doing it right now. Brother, while it's time to repent, get right with God! America, I talked to a fellow there, he said, you mean to tell me that God would ever let America be overrun? Yes, sir. 
Well, I said, in respect of our forefathers. I said, God never did say to America what he said to the Jews down there, the Israelites, but when they got out harmony with God, God let them go. That's right. And I tell you, brother, when you sow your reap, and here not long ago we had probation and everything tried, and now look what we've done. Now we couldn't walk the straight narrow path as a hog goes to its wallowing, a dog to its vomit, so does the people return back. And look at it today. And we're in for it, and we're going to receive it. And I warn you, in the name of Jesus Christ, get in the kingdom of God now. Right. Don't you fool about it. You press in because there's coming a time when you will scream and cry to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it'll be shut off from you. For I believe the meeting is at hand right now. It's going to bring the gospel back to the Jews again in Palestine, and then the Gentiles is finished. When the Jews receive the Holy Ghost again in Palestine, you Gentiles are finished. You'll scream, cry, do what you want to, but mercy has returned to Israel again. That's right. The Gentiles, they'll trot down the walls until the Gentile dispensation will be finished, and then it's over for you. So you get right now with God. Be sure that you're right. And don't pay attention to just a little weak dishwater stuff, you get into the strong powers of the Holy Spirit that's changed your innermost being and made you what you wasn't yourself. Now, how the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can do that. Moses gave the command then for him to stay under there. And here comes the midnight hour. I can hear the unrest. And the little boy, I can see him around to his daddy and say, Daddy, Daddy, or, what is that great noise? What is that? Uh, the people all seem to be stirring. You say, Son, God is going to send judgment up on this nation. Oh, Daddy, are we all going to be killed? No. God has promised us if we were under the blood that we would not die. That's the promise today. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Under the blood. Now, I want you to notice. Then the little boy, I imagine it's getting a little later, he said, Daddy, are you... He said, Elder Son's going to be taken, you know. Daddy... Are you sure that the blood's on the post? You know, I think it's time for us Christian homes to check up on that. Don't you think so? Go out and look at the door and say, yes, son. Yep. It's all there. Well, Daddy, can I arrest at ease? Yep. Yep. God told us as long as under the blood, we was all right. So there's nothing to worry about. Directly out here, something starting a great roar. The little boy goes to winter look. He said, oh, Daddy, look coming yonder. And coming across the nation, there's two big black wings are moving. I can see it move down over a house. No blood. Goes in directly screaming and crying, running into the streets. The sun is dead. Now in the streets, they go to screaming and crying all over. Directly, these big black wings comes to another house. I can see her sweep down when it leaves the house. Death, what it was. Screaming and crying in the house. All right, death in the house. But then I can see it moving towards... Their house, our party. And we noticed, he said, Daddy, here it comes. Don't worry, son, don't have one worry. Because the blood there is what he required. That's what God required. And God requires the Holy Ghost and power and blood today. You got that? Okay, that's all necessary. That big black wings begin to come. I see little folks say, Daddy, here it comes, here it comes. I hear the age old father say, just don't worry, son. Hallelujah. Everything's all right now. <laughs> Yes, sir, it's all right. Daddy, are you worried? Certainly not, son. I believe God. Yes, sir. I believe God. Those big black wings sweep right down. He said, 
Oh, Daddy, look at him. He's going up. Sure. <laughs> Amen. Here's the sweet towards that house to take death. Uh, take death. Then the first thing you know, up over the house they go. When I see the blood, I'll pass. I will pass over you. Yes, sir, the death angel's on today. Let me tell you something. It's sweeping the land this day. Listen, these churches and things that's having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, you find out they're going out. It's not a natural death. It's a spiritual death. A natural death's not very bad, but a spiritual death. Being separated. Call from God. Send away the day of grace. Went over and looked down and said, Bunch of holy rollers, don't pay any attention to that. Devil's in the pulpit as sure as the world. Finally, brother, a man's got to be born to the Spirit of God, regenerated, washed in the blood of the Lamb, with a baptism of the Holy Spirit as God's divine witness in your soul. That's true. Yes, sir. He said, don't worry, son. Everything's all right. The death angel turned away. The droughts may come. The hard times may come. You may be persecuted, made fun of, and everything, but eternal life stays right there just the same. Hallelujah. Let the neighbors say what they want to. Let the minister say what he wants to. Let the doctor say what he wants to. That don't take away eternal life. It's the gift of God that is given by the Holy Spirit. It can't go away if the Holy Spirit is left living in the individual. Ah, on their journey, I find out just as soon as they got to the Red Sea, then God opened up the Red Sea and led them across. And when they did, you talk about an old-fashioned meeting. Moses turned back around and stretched his hand out like that. And the Red Sea closed in on the Egyptians because God said he would do it. And those Egyptians that had tormented them and beat them and beat their back and made it bleed and everything, kicked them around and bruised them around, was laying in the Dead Sea, gone forever. Hallelujah. I think that any man or woman that challenges the Spirit of God that's got an old dirty habit of something or other or walking around in these old hell dives and drinking and smoking and gambling around your name on a church book, shame on you. Come up to the red blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Pass through there as a type of their, their life. Now I tell you, all them old taskmasters that made you do things you didn't want to do, make you lie and take things and cheat and steal and do everything you ought to do, drink and carry on and go to places you shouldn't go, you pass through the blood of Jesus Christ and you'll see every one of them dead back there floating in the blood. Amen! It'll separate you. Yes, it will. Notice, I can see Moses as soon as he sees that. He began to shout, raised up his hands, and began to sing in the Spirit. And Miriam, the prophetess, got so happy that she grabbed a tambourine and went on the bank beating a tambourine and dancing. Hey, it's the same thing. Down the bank she went beating a tambourine, a dancing and a singing in the Spirit. And all the daughters of Israel followed her dancing and shouting. If that ain't an old-fashioned meeting, I ever told it. Yes, sir. Why? All the old old torments and things that had bothered them was dead in the blood. Gone. Glory. Yes, sir, they had a real old-time meeting. God promised he'd supply every need they had, need of it. left everything they had. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like that. Shut up, lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> That's right. Let all go burn the bridge behind you. Yes, sir, they take mama, papa, takes the wife, child, whatever it is, sell out! Sell out! 
Let's get going. First thing you know, when they crossed over the Red Sea and all those things gone, God said, I'll supply your need. They had done eat that little bunch of bread they had on top of their head. Now what is it going to do? Left alone. Separated on the other side. That's what God wants you to do. God, when he called Abraham, was separated him from his people and walked him in a strange country. Is that right? Well, the people speaking a strange language. Amen. It's still God's program to separate the people. That's right. Put them out to their cells. Alone with him so they can walk alone. Yes, sir. I can hear Moses say, now the children around say, what are we going to do for bread now? We ain't got any bread. God will take care of that. <laughs> as long as you come out, step out on the promise, God will take care of the rest of it. Well, how are we going to eat? God will take care of that. Well, we're just a little bit hungry. You need a little fasting. Laid down that night and went to sleep. When he got up the next morning, there was manna all over the ground. Bread laying everywhere. That's the way God does it, isn't it? So they went out and picked it up and they tasted it. They said, my, you know what that, that tastes like? Tastes like honey. <laughs> oh, my. That bread never ceased to fall as long as they was in the journey. Every night there was a new supply. You could just gather enough there to last one day. The next day you had to gather new. What a type of the Holy Ghost in our journey. Damn in the natural, when we come out and separate from the world, God supplies our good time. He supplies our bread. He supplies everything that we have need of. Amen. He told them in the natural he would do it. He'll do it for us in the spiritual. And walked around that. Remember, they couldn't keep the bread over now. If they kept it over, it got wiggle tails in it, you know, contaminated. That's what's the matter with Pentecost today. You're trying to got wiggle tails in the experience. Trying to do something they had a long time ago. What we need today is an old time Holy Ghost shaking in a new mouthful of manna. Right? Got contaminated. Your experience, you're getting old. Something you had 20 years ago. What are you not now? What does it mean now? I'm not yelling at you, but I feel good. Look! That's right. you got to get a new baptism every day. Every day. Every day. Just keep going. No end limit to it. You try to say, well, now, a month ago I had a wonderful experience. That, yeah, that testimony don't work. What about it now? Right now. A new one right now. God reigned it every night. And I want you to notice, there was some of it in there. Now, God told Moses to have Aaron to go out and gather up some of it. Now, he said, this is going to last. Come to your journey till you get into the millennium over yonder. <laughs> Just exactly a type of the Holy Ghost now. When the Holy Ghost come on the day of Pentecost, they had to wait ten days, that's right, for it to come, but never had to wait from then on. When the heart was ready, the Holy Ghost was there. That's right. And how long was it to be? All right, we'll find out. Now Moses said to Aaron, you go out and get several big omers full of this. And you bring it in and put it behind the holiest of holies. Now it was spoiled back there. And then all down through the generations. And every time that a man, when he was in the priesthood, and he had a right, when he come into the priesthood, to come in behind by the holiest place and get a mouthful of that manna. You taste it? Now, what is this? This is just like our fathers received when they started a journey. Oh, mm-hmm. That's good. 
Satan. Every priest coming in could get, go back here in these omers and get a handful of it and give him a big mouthful. He'd chew it, oh, how good it was. What a privileged character he was to eat of some of the original manna. Well, that's exactly the type of the Holy Ghost. When the church started its journey 2,000 years ago on our journey to the millennium, hallelujah, God promised to supply our needs. And the first time when they come over and receive the Holy Ghost, the power of God began to fall upon them. They lost all their bashfulness, all their shamefulness. They run out into the streets and begin to dance in the Spirit and carry on. Is that right? Every one of them, the women, men, and all act like a bunch of maniacs. Hallelujah. Tell me that's not the Scripture. It sure is. God's Word. And they got out there and staggered like a drunk man. You ever see a drunk man? Keep up inside. Hello, buddy. Well, everything's all right. Sure, that's all right. Sure. Well, that's the way a man is when he's drunk on the Spirit. Hallelujah. God, what God says is truth to him. You don't care how far away it looks. It's the truth to him. Yes, sir. Then on the day of Pentecost, when he's all staggering around, the man who was falling down out of heaven, our man. All right, they said, how long is this going to last, brethren? <laughs> Peter said, it's for you and for your children. And to them as far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, shall have a glory to God. Brother, every man or woman that comes into this divine Holy Ghost priesthood has the right to get a genuine heart full of the original baptism of the Holy Ghost. The same signs, the same power, same demonstration, same feeling, same action. Glory! Not something looks like it. The original. Lord said, I'm going to store up a whole lot of this because it's going to be many generations. So every time one comes in, I'm going to give him a great big heart full of it. Amen! I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. <laughs> yes, sir. Look at Peter just lost all his dignity and everything. Jumped up on a soapbox and began to preach. My soapbox preacher. <laughs> yes, sir. What was it? He had the Holy Ghost. He was eating of that godly manna. Is that right? And today we have the same thing. We're in the journey in the, in the spiritual like they was journey in the natural. And it fell for them every time they wanted it. It fell. It falls for us the same way. God's got a whole big heaven full of it. That's right. It's for you and to your children. Them at Orangeburg, Kentucky, and as many as the Lord should our God shall call. It's for every one of them. As many as wants it, God's got it for you. Here they are on their journey. I want you to see another thing. He said it tastes like honey. Is that right? Honey. <laughs> The poet said it, I believe David said it tastes like honey in the rock. You ever hear him say, taste and see the Lord is good? It tastes like honey in the rock. Did you ever taste it? Oh, I've seen old baptized Holy Ghost saints just sitting so paralyzed with the power of God, they couldn't move. They go, mm, mm. Just God blessing their souls and they couldn't do nothing else. <laughs> Look at their lips, amen. Tastes like honey in the rock. You think that's silly, but that's the God's truth out of his Bible. Right. Tastes like hunting around. David, being a shepherd, he had an experience. You know, the old shepherds, they used to carry a script bag on their side. And every time they'd carry in there, they was hurting their sheep. And one of their sheep would get sick. 
they'll have some honey in that script bag. So they take this honey, and they go out to a great big limestone rock. And they take this honey, and they smear it all over the limestone rock, and then call the sick sheep up. And that sick sheep would smell that honey. He'd go licking the honey. And what he'd done, it wasn't the honey that was helping him so much. He liked the honey. But while licking the honey, he was licking the lime off this rock, and it healed the sick sheep. Now, look, I got a whole script bag full of it, and I'm going to put it on Christ Jesus, and you sick sheep start licking right now. And you'll find out that you'll get well as sure as the world. Right? Hallelujah. Right, you'll get... Yes, sir, I ain't going to put it on the Methodist church. I ain't going to put it on the Baptist church. I ain't going to put it on the Pentecostal church. I'm putting it on where it belongs, Jesus Christ. Don't say I'm a Baptist. You're licking on the Baptist church. Don't say I'm Pentecost. You're licking on that church. But lick on Christ. He is the rock of ages. That's where the honey belongs on Christ. Amen. Nothing against Pentecost, Baptist, Methodist, not a thing. But I'm talking about Christ. <laughs> that's why I'm talking. That's where the honey belongs. And a real preacher will lay it right on Christ. And let the sick sheep go to licking. Don't you see? I got a gift of healing. Glory to God! I put hocus pocus on you. That's nonsense. But when you go to tell them that Christ died for you, Christ heals you back her. You're laying the honey where it belongs. And I'll guarantee the sheep will get well and will lick too. <laughs> Amen. You're going to rejoice and be happy in the blessings. You're just thinking, honey, then. But while you're doing that, you're going to get some of the limestone, too. This is sure the world. Yes, sir. And he'll heal you. Yes, indeed. Oh, they say they're excited. They're getting well, anyhow. <laughs> Amen. Say, I feel good. Fifty miles of elbow room right now. Notice. Yes, sir. There's another thing about, you know, uh, that uh, licking... The honey in the rock. A rock's got something to do with it. A rock has heating power somehow. They even make medicine out of it. <laughs> yes, sir. Long time ago when the man used to get mad dog bit, back when we were boys, you know what they do? They send them away. They had a, a stone, a mad stone. And they take the person and stick them to this stone. And if they stuck to the stone, they got well. If they didn't stick, they died. <laughs> oh, brother, I'm telling you, the worst mad dog I know is the devil. He's bit everybody he can bite, but I know where there's a stone. Hallelujah! That stone is Christ Jesus. Hold on to him. Grab him with both arms, the rock of ages, and say, Cap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Oh, to God's unchanging hand. One other thing else is failing is stand there and hold. If you'll stick to it, it'll bring you out. Just hold on to it. You're all on going up in the mountains. I just love hunting. You know that. That's my second nature. I'm a real Kentuckian. I got a squirrel rifle. See? And I just like to go hunting. I was way up in the mountains. I was watching up there. Uh, looking through the binoculars. Right at the time, I wasn't hunting at the time. I was herding cattle. And I worked cattle since I was a boy. So I grew up there in the roundups and things. And I was watching down through a, a site. I seen an old mother eagle. And she had a big nest up in the rock. As long and a bunch, you know, the little fellows with hats out, and they were all walking around on this nest, and I spied that nest. The old mothers go take them out of the nest, and they were walking around there, you know, four little old fellows, and she throw her wings down like that, and she, wah, make a squawk. And all them little eagles reached over, tucked her little mouth, and set a hold of them wings, got their little feet and held onto her wings. She lifted them up, up out of the nest, down through the crevice she went, down into the valley, and they'd never been out of that old puking nest before, excuse the expression, 
and got down there and that's the stinkiest place you ever seen around Eagle's Nest. And then she let him down. That poor little fellow got out and he got on this green grass. How good that felt to them little feet. They were just a prancing around and beating the valve full of grass and chirping. And the old mother flew back up, way back up to the top of the highest peak she could. She ruffled her big feathers and he sat up there. My horse hitched watching it take place. I seen this old mother up there watching around them little eagles. I stood there, I started crying. I said, glory to God. <laughs> oh, what's the matter with me? I looked down and I thought, yes, one time the little church was in an old pukey nest that you had to do this, that, and the other. Join the church and do this and the other thing. But one day the great master of life, who with his lifting power of the Holy Ghost, lifted her up, brought her out of that thing, set her down like an old fat. Them the legal wasn't having an old holy roller meeting, I don't know what. They were just as careful as they could be, just as jumping around. Just like an old fashioned Holy Ghost meeting. They were grabbing a little bunch here and run over to one another, trip, 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 and running around like that. Just like a Holy Ghost meeting. Just as carefree as you could be. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. I like to watch God like that. And why was this so carefree? I was. What's them little fellows? That's the first time they was ever in this place. What makes them so carefree? But you once watch Raleigh well, cock his little head up, looks set up down there, set mammy. <laughs> yes, sir. Brother, she was watching over, and I thought, yes, our great master, after bringing us out of the pukiness of the world, has climbed the ramparts of glory, setting at the right hand of the majesty, watching down on us. Hallelujah. You let a coyote start towards one of the little eagles and watch what a flog and he'll ever get. <laughs> yes, sir. I will let the devil come if he wants to get a flog and just be free. Amen. Just have a glorious time. All right. She watched there for a little while. After a while, there come a storm. Started back in, I heard her roar with thunder. That old mother was watching her through my glasses. She turned her head and kept looking, and she smelt that storm coming. And the little fellows heard that so hard, and they never heard anything like that. Just like the church today. We wonder what all this racket's about. But the first thing they done, they huddled together. Amen. That's what we need today. Huddle together. I don't care if you're this, that, or the other. Let's get together as Christian believers. Don't separate yourself. Let's get together. And the first thing you know, that old mother looked, when she knows she about timed right, she let out a scream. And when she did, those little eagles turned towards her. She flew down into that valley like that, throwed out her great big wings. Those little fellows jumped up on that same wing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thought, yes, sir, that's right. Jumped up on the same wing, tucked her little bill and caught a hold of a feather, tucked her little paws and hooked into the other feather. Up, she lifted them. Up, 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 up. A fierce in that storm. Run right into the cleft of the rock. I never hit those little fellows. I thought, glory to God, the same Holy Ghost that lifted me out of the world and the kings of the world. Someday I'll catch a hold of that daughter in the hour of my death and Christ will lift me up, 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 high above this mortal life into them rims out in safety that the storms rage. What do I care as long as he's watching over me? Just be as carefree as I can be. No condemnation. One time I was fishing up in Connecticut, uh, New Hampshire. Had a little tent built out there. Bert Call and I, he'd gone back to town. I was just a little tent with fishing. And I, you know, I'm a, I, I like pancakes and molasses. You like that? I just love it for breakfast and I take some with me. I can't make them very good. Not like my wife and I, but I do the best I can. Some of the stuff already mixed up. So I just love to get it. So I told me a great big bucket of molasses, and I'm truly a Baptist. I don't sprinkle them. I baptize them. I really put them under. So I like to pour it all over them. One morning when I was gone, out down along the creek, 
I come back and a lot of black bear in that country. And one of those little old bears that got into my tent, an old mother and two cubs it was, and she tore that tent all to pieces. It's not what they eat, it's just what they destroy. And all, everything was gone, just mashed up and laying around. I thought, well, what do you know? And the uh, old mother saw me coming up, and she'll scratch, you know. So I, I looked at her and I had an axe in my hand. Rifle was laying in the tent, or a little gun was laying in the tent. It had torn to pieces. So the old mother, she cooed to her cubs and she ran off. One of them followed her and the other wouldn't follow her. He just sat there, he had a little back on like that. Now I thought, well, what's he so game about? None of the rest of them would follow him. So she cooed again. He didn't come. So I started walking up a little closer and I wonder what made the little fellow so brave. He was doing something. He was sitting there, you know. I thought, well, what's the matter with him? And he know, I was afraid to get too close, afraid that old mother would come after me. So I didn't want to have to kill her because I'd leave them orphans in the woods. So I slipped around like this to look at the little fellow. I said, get out of there. And he looked around at me. And when he did, he got my bucket of molasses and had the lid off of it. <laughs> he had that bucket sitting in his arms like this. His little old paw in there, he just get a paw full of it. It's like he was molasses from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Boys, the little eyes were all stuck up full of molasses. He couldn't even open them, look like that. He just looked around at me like that, reached down and started stalking again like that. And I looked at him and I laughed and my sides hurt. And that's why when he got enough of it, he sat down and went walking off. I thought, if that ain't an old-fashioned Holy Ghost meeting, when we get the bucket open, our hands in, plumbs our elbows, just lick molasses, and we wouldn't have it, let it go. Don't make that difference what the world says is what we're tasting. Amen. Taste and see the Lord is good. That's right. And you know the funny thing about it, after he got through with all these molasses and that, the others were scared to come to him. Then when he got over there, the whole butt, the other two went to licking him. <laughs> Amen. That's the way it goes, isn't it? They went to licking the other fellow. The one that got the molasses, they went to licking him. <laughs> Just taste and see. <laughs> the Lord is good, said David. Oh, my. I think on their journey there, as he went through the wilderness, how God said he'd supply every need. Here I am, done over past due. Look, just a minute, we'll close. But watch, on the journey you've gone down through there. Well, God said, I'll supply your needs. Isn't it strange, Joel, I want you to notice this, that the first place they went was right to the wilderness of sin? Isn't it strange that God's path leads that way? Right down to the Red Sea where they was cut off? Right out through the wilderness of sin? Right down into temptation? Just right around everywhere. Is that right? But, you know, that's the way God leads us, isn't it? Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the trials, but all through the blood. Is that right? Through every briar patch and temptation, His grace has brought me safe thus far. Grace shall take me on. That's right. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. It's grace that brought me safe this far. It's grace that'll take me on. I just believe Him. I don't know why. What tomorrow holds, I don't know, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's the main thing. So on the road we were, uh, they were going, and the first thing you know, we got down there. Now after they've seen all the miracles of God, then they begin to murmur. Isn't that just like the church today? As they've done seen the Red Sea open, done at a great big Holy Ghost meeting and everything, then the people begin to complain, saying, Well, where are we going to get some water to drink? Our souls are thirsty for water. Not knowing that the very God that brought them through the Red Sea could supply them water. But they murmured. That's just the way the church is today. Is that right, brother? We'll murmur about this and murmur about that. 
Well, Miss Jones said if I kept going to that old Holy Roller Church, I was going home. Oh, well, the, the doctor uh, Jones was over to see me too, and he told me it's just mental telepathy, and then people's only excited there. You go and seeing the miracles of God, then do like that. You deserve the journey around the wilderness a while. First thing you know, look, they left the great boasting physicians of Egypt to be with the great physician. Is that right? And we're still complaining. They left people that said the signs and miracles as past years ago, there was no such a thing as miracles, to be with people who believed all things and believed signs. They had a pillar of fire above them. Is that right? They left the Egyptians. They didn't have nothing like that. They didn't have any miracles and signs among them, though they were a great aristocratic nation. But they left them to journey here and seen these signs and taken their place with the people and yet complaining. If that isn't Christianity today, I don't know why. Always complaining, well, if I could do this, mm, there you are. And the next thing you know, look at all these things that they have done. They left the muddy waters of Egypt to drink water filled from the rock that was so pure and clean. They had left the garlic pots down there of Egypt to eat angels' food and was still complaining. Ain't that just like the church today? So their carnal condition drove them out into the desert. And I'm just afraid that's where our Pentecostal church has gone, out into the desert, because murmuring and complaining and won't accept the real, true, living God and go on. I mean the church in whole. I'm not talking about you people. If you're here, well, this is good for you. This is better vitamins than you get the drugstore. All right. Yes, you're straightened up. Come on, let's go. The church is moving on. Then the first thing you know, they got out into the desert. And what's taking place then? There he was out there murmuring around. God cut off the water supply. That's the reason the day the church is getting so dry and everything. Murmuring, complaining, and fussing, and stewing, and one thing. Oh, bless God, I belong to the assembly. That's the biggest. There's the line of oneness. And I tell you, I've got it. That's just the reason your supplies cut off. That's exactly. Sure it is. If you get together, and I don't care where he belongs here, where he belongs at, if he's a Christian, he's my brother. Hallelujah. That's all he's doing. I'll just shout and shake his hands and move on. What do I care? What if he says he's a Christian? He's acting like a Christian. He's, his fruits proves he's a Christian. I'm associate with him. He's going off. This brother isn't. I'll take him to the arms and say, "Come on, brother, straighten up your life. Let's go anyhow." So I'm a Baptist. I don't care what you are. Let's go anyhow. <laughs> Let's keep on moving. We're on the road. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Now I want you to watch again just a minute. Then when the water supply got cut off, God told Moses to go out and smite the rock. And he smoked the rock. Now, I want you to notice that that cane that he had in his hand, that stick, that wasn't Moses' stick. That was God's judgment rod. Look, when he took that rod, he pushed that rod over Egypt, and flies come up. He pushed it over the water, it turned into blood. He hung it over the water, frogs come up. Over the land, lice come. It was God's judgment rod. It was in Moses' hand. It was, the stick was in his hand, but it was God's judgment. See what I mean? He was just given to Moses. Gifts and things are given to man for God's glory. And now watch just a minute. And that, watch this. Here's a beautiful story that comes to my mind. When Moses took that rock, uh, that rod, and smote the rock, and that rock was Christ Jesus. Is that right? The rock was Christ. And he put a cleft in the side of the rock. When Israel got hungry, they went there one day and uh, a bees that built a hive in there. They had a whole big bunch of honey hanging in the rock. Is that right? That's where we go today. When we want something to eat, we go to the rock. Is that right? 
and they wanted something to drink, when they wanted water, they went to the rock. God told Moses then, when the water survives, they go out and speak to the rock, and the rock shall bring forth his water. The rock shall bring forth his water, and thou shalt water the congregation. A perfect type of dying people perishing out in the desert, no hope at all, and the smitten rock with God's judgments upon the rock, smote the rock and brought forth water. John 3.16 is the perfect type of this church today. For us, that's the smitten rock. Christ, God's judgments, we being worthy of death, worthy of all this condemnation, and the judgments of God smote the rock, Christ, and out of him poured out everlasting water that a perishing people might not perish, but would have everlasting life coming from the inexhaustible fountain of life, which is Jesus Christ, whose God's judgment smote the innocent one that we guilty people might drink and be living. Hallelujah! Oh, how beautiful! Speak to the rock, he said. It'll bring forth its water. And that they went everywhere. They couldn't find water nowhere. And God told them, go speak to the rock. Ridiculous. The carnal mind would have said, well, that's the driest place in the desert. The rock was the driest looking place. And yet, were the same through every old, little old place where there ought to be water? No water. Went to this oasis, No water. Went down to the spring was No water. And then God tells them to do the ridiculous. Go speak to the driest thing there is. No rock sitting up there on a hill. Go speak to that. It'll bring forth water. Well, where's the water at? Well, there's any water to be down here in the valley, not up there on a hill, not in that dry rock. But that's where it is today when the doctor's done everything he can do for you. You sing through every doctor's office, every hospital, yet God says, speak to the rock. They say, what am I to do, go where a bunch of holy rulers is? Well, that's the worst church in the world, but that's where God is. Amen. Isn't it saying how God takes the ridiculous things and makes them real? Hallelujah. Why, well, I said, if God were to give a gift, it would come through some great dignified church. That's what they thought in the beginning. But look where he brought it, through a manger. <laughs> Is that right? He always brings it down to the humble and lowly people. God's a God of mercy. Yes, sir. The driest place in the desert, yes, where they had to go get a drink. You say, if the doctor can't do anything for me, how in the world is anything else going to do? <laughs> well, just speak to the rock and find out. <laughs> Moses went out there and spoke to the rock. And when he spoke to the rock, the waters began to flow and the people began to drink. Now, are you going to speak in terms of the rock today? Listen. Brother, I believe it's time that we spoke to the rock. Don't you believe so? I've seen a woman one time in the Bible had a blood issue. The doctors have done everything. She'd mortgage her home, sold everything she had, and none of the doctors could do her any good. And she spoke to the rock. And the rock broke forth water. Is that right? Healing waters. There was an old man down there in the Bible by the name of Brian Bar- Bartimus. He'd been blind for years. I ain't seen him stand at the gate. Oh, my, the time is here now to speak. I believe the time is here for us to speak, too. Don't you think so? I believe the time that the church should move up or it's going back. I believe the time that the signs of March 16 ought to be following the believer. Don't you believe so? The Bible said in the last days that times will come when men will be high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. we got it. The football stadiums are packed this afternoon and the church of God sets empty. Fulfill the Scriptures. Exactly. Yes, sir, we're in the wilderness. Now, notice. I want you to notice Moses. Told him to go out there and speak, and it would have water. I noticed a man by the name of Brian Bartimus I was speaking of a moment ago. I see him come to the rock. 
The people say, now, looky here. What's all this trouble? What's this noise? You know, usually where Jesus is, there's a lot of noise. Isn't that strange? They come into the city one day, and they're all making a bunch of noise, and that great big old mournful-looking priest said, wow, they give me chills and fever. Said, make them hold their peace. He said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Life was coming in. Yes. And there they were standing out there in all this great mournful condition. And a little old bar team, as he was standing out there, he was, he was blind and he didn't know what to do. And directly he heard, so who is that? Someone said, Jesus of Nazareth passes by. Oh, someone said, he said, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. He was speaking at the rock. <laughs> the rock rolling right on down the street and people were screaming and hollering. Everything he said, now don't trouble the master. I guess he has enough to do. So there's no need of you trying to trouble him. Just keep your peace. But that didn't stop him. He wanted to speak with the rock. <laughs> and he screamed that much louder. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he's blind. Have mercy on me. The first thing he knew, his little ears caught the sound. He turned around. The rock had heard. He said, bring him here. <laughs> Watch, he had his garments on now, it's cold, sitting there shivering in the cold. He didn't watch where he laid his garment down, he just throwed it to one side. What? He's got contact with the rock. That was it. He got contact with the rock. Oh, my. He knows that was a rock that was in the wilderness. you believe it? I believe it sure today, don't you? The Holy Spirit promised to come back to the same rock that was in the wilderness. It wasn't that stone, it was the Spirit in that stone. That's the same thing here. With us today. And he spoke to the rock. And Jesus come over and healed him. I wrote a little story on Bartimaeus. He'd been blind for years. And he'd had a little girl, he said, about 10, 12 years old, and she'd, she'd never seen, he'd never seen her. And one night she touched sick. So Bartimaeus in them days, instead of a dog leading them, like the blind men have today, they had a lamb to lead them. Now listen closely. And the lion would lead him up to the gate. He sat there with a little cup, and he had two little turtle doves. And those little turtle doves would turn over and do enchantments like that. And when the interested tourists, they'd stop watching these little doves while they'd be tumbling. He had a stick he'd make them tumble with. And then when he did, while well, they'd throw in nickels and things in his cup for little pieces of money, and he would, that's how he made his living for his wife and little girl. One night, his little girl tucked sick. And so he went out, and he prayed the doctor had said he could do nothing for her. And so he went out and he prayed. He said, God, I don't want to lose her. I've never seen her in my life. I don't want to lose her. And I ain't got nothing to give you. I'm a poor, blind beggar. But if you'll just, if you'll, if you'll heal my baby, I'll promise you tomorrow, I'll take my two little turtle doves up and, I, and I'll offer my first sacrifice to you. That's all I got. Next morning, the little girl was well. He took the turtle doves up and offered them up. Weeks later, his wife took sick. There was nothing to be done for her. Isn't it strange how tragedy hit families of believers? And so, but it's all for good. So they, they went up, and he went out to pray that night. He said, Lord, I haven't even got my doves now. My begging is getting poorly because there's nothing to attract attention. I haven't got nothing in the world to offer you but my lamb. But if you just let my poor dear wife get well, I'll give you my lamb. And he went back in the house. Feeling his way around, the next morning, his wife as well. So it was a beautiful morning. He started up the street, a lamb leading him, and the high priest stood up on the, top, on the banister of the balcony of the temple. He said, 
Where goest thou, blind Bartimus? He said, O high priest, I am going into the sacrifice room. I promised God if he would heal my, my wife last night, I'd give him my lamb. Oh, he said, blind Bartimus, you can't give that lamb. He said, I'll give you a sacrifice or money to buy your lamb up to the stall where Jesus beat him out later. He said, I'll give you money to buy a lamb. He said, oh, high priest. He said, God's blessings be upon you. But he said, I never promised God a lamb. I promised him this lamb. That's right. That's where it is. What about you? You want the world to be Christianized, but you're afraid of the Holy Spirit. See? What about you? All right. He said, blind Bartimus, you cannot give that lamb. That lamb is your eyes. You ain't got no eyes but that lamb, blind Bartimus. And you train that lamb to lead you. So that lamb, that lamb is your eyes. It pulls you around. You ain't got no eyes but that. He raised his old feeble hands and said, Oh, high priest, God will provide a lamb for blind Bartimus' eyes. He offered the sacrifice. One cold November day, sitting there and chilling in the wind, you heard a noise. What was it? God had provided a lamb for blind Bartimus' eyes. That's right. God's got that same lamb provided this afternoon for every person sitting here. Do you believe that? He's got a lamb provided for every one of you. And he's sure to give it to you. He'll give you the power of his blessing. I know he's here. I know his spirit's here. And he will do, he will do just exactly what we've asked him to do. You believe it? We're in our journey. God has his lamb provided. The rock's already smitten. The waters are flowing freely. Let's drink from it now, will you? Oh, it has a need of Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads just a minute. Strange as it seems with your head bowed. The angel of the Lord is here at the platform. I know that he's wanting to bless you. Strange how he jerked me out of that, wasn't it? I never had anything like this to happen. I hear that light standing right in the room right now. God of heaven, be merciful. Get hanging over a little girl just now back here. Over on my left hand side, she's got she's got a kidney trouble. Mother sitting next to her with a liver trouble. The little boy sitting there, he's got low blood pressure. Here he comes up here to this row right here in front of me, hanging right over here. He's got 
There's something wrong with that lady sitting there. He's got something wrong with her head. She's having head trouble. The one sitting next to you has the same thing. The lady right next to you, yes. And the man sitting there also has the same thing. Oh, three of you. And that's the truth, isn't it? There you are, all three of you, with your hands up. You can go home and get well now. At legion, I see light all around you. Oh, how glorious and marvelous the Holy Spirit. Lay your hand on that little girl back there, mother's that kidney trouble. The little lad there with that low blood pressure, lay your hand on him, Bob. Mother, you're going to get well, too. I want to see what takes place. Be reverent, if you will, just a minute. Yes, sir, it's turning right. Around. Oh, isn't it wonderful? The angel of God that led the children of Israel, that same pillar of fire, is moving right around over this bunch of people. How, oh, friends, what a wonderful time. The lamb that led blind Bartimus. And here we are sitting here, not even in a healing meeting. And here he is, drop that down on me. How he loves you. He wants you to know that he's here. He loves you, everyone. Won't you receive me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. Oh, God, may the people just realize they're in the, the same angel that led them, and the natural is leading us today in the spiritual. Here's the pillar of fire. We, even the scientific world has took his picture. It's with us. We love him when we know he's here. We see him with infallible moves go out over the audience and perform miracles and signs while the people sitting right here in the audience and being healed right now. Oh, Master of life, touch everyone. Give them a thy blessing. Grant it, Lord. May everyone be healed and blessed. May the sinners be saved. The backsliders come back. Quit journeying out there in a path to their self. May they come on over here and get out of Egypt, cross to the Red Sea today, and burn every path behind them. Grant it, Lord. Have mercy now and heal these people that are sitting here. In the name of thy Son, Jesus, we ask it. While you have your heads bowed, I want each one of you just to stay shut in with God just a little bit. Just believe now that God is sure to make you well. There it looks like again. Here it stands over here to my right, up towards the side of the balcony. Standing over a little mother with back trouble. God bless you, mother. Here comes and stands over a lady who's kind of heavy set. She's got something in her side. I see her always holding her side. She's got trouble in her side. God bless you, lady. Just leave. You'll be made well. Oh, I tell you, friend, it looks like that you could just believe anything right now. This holy hush and quietness. May the Lord bless you. Brother Bosworth, you come and lead us in a word of prayer, too, if you will. I won't stand here with you while you're praying. Lead the audience here in prayer again. Here's a good godly man. I want you to stand here near Brother Bosworth. I can see something in here. Brother Bosworth, the very 
God that's led us and been with us and blessed us. Here he is moving around over this little handful of people. Amen. When thousands of people out in the world, and here he is, this great being, moving right here in this audience right now. Amen. Healing the people, making them well. Now his blessings is here. His spirit is on us. We know that he's here. And I know you, Brother Bosworth, be a good, godly man. You're God's servant. You were preaching this message before I was born, brother. I want you, if you'll lead the congregation in prayer, too, while I dismiss myself, if you will. And you, you pray, if you will, for the congregation. Uh -huh.